Welcome to Legends from the Fireside. Standing upon the shoulders of giants in this genre, Legends from the Fireside is a hybrid storytelling RPG podcast set within worlds of sword and sorcery. In our tales, the dice tell the fates of those worlds, for good or for ill. No character is sacred. Survival is not guaranteed. As storyteller and game master, I craft the narrative from these dice rules and create quests from this chaos, all without knowing what could happen next. Listener discretion is advised, as we may explore dark corners of this genre. But, come now, for adventure awaits, listen in to the legends from the fireside. Welcome back to Legends from the Fireside. In the last episode of Legends from the Fireside, the party had stalked Talagor and his raiders back to their lair. The lair of this villain is an old chapel of sorts, as well as an old farmhouse and windmill, all decrepit and in disrepair. The party managed to fight their way through bandits and gnolls, doing well to remain unnoticed by Talagor himself. Finally, the party approached the temple and gathered some information on the bandits when Kellum was able to sneak around their camp and listen in on their conversation. Kellum discovered Talagor is likely hidden away within the chapel, with a secret exit somewhere in case things turn for the worst. Kellum is almost discovered, although he very luckily evades the bandits. The party, now realizing the kidnapped townsfolk may have little time before the bandits move on to another lair, decide they'll strike now while they have the element of surprise. Kellum frees their horses. Tariad and Morris prepare to run up and ambush the bandits at the bonfire, while Thanel and Belgin wait atop a hill looking down onto the chapel, ready to throw a lantern full of oil at their bonfire. Quite the diversion it was, as half of the bandits guarding the chapel are killed in the immolation, allowing the melee party members to rush up to the survivors who attempt to attack Thanel and Belgin. Just as this battle seems to be won by the heroes, Reinforcements arrive for the bandits, including Talagor himself, armed with his magical pipes. As Talagor begins to play, all in attendance begin to turn to him slowly, approaching at his beckoning call. All but Belgin, that is. Chapter 13, Part 1 Day 19, Midnight Party status. Morris is at 10 out of 10 hit points. Terriad, 11 out of 11 hit points. Thanel, 9 out of 9 hit points. Belgin, 4 out of 4 hit points. Kellum, 5 out of 8 hit points. Terriad has prepared light, 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 light. Belgin has prepared chromatic, chromatic or. The sound of weapons clattering to the earth, shields landing with a lazy thump, 
and the laborious steps of the near dozen gathered upon the hill haunted Belgen as he looked on, feeling helpless. Unfortunately for Belgen, his curse was that he was not helpless. To the contrary, Belgen was the only other autonomous person out there in the encampment apart from Talagor. As Belgen stammered, calling out to his companions to rouse them from their zombie-like state, as he reached for Teriad's hand to pull him to his side, the priest stumbled forward, down the hill, and towards Talagor, the master of fear, by the chapel. As Belgen looked down towards Talagor, Talagor had seemingly yet to notice Belgen's deflection of the magic, and so with a smug look of satisfaction upon his face, Talagor called out to the small crowd coming down the hill. Now, now. Do we see why it was futile to try and do all of that? Foolish, really. But that is why I'm in charge around here. And you all follow me so obediently. Come now, friends. I have a very comfortable cage for you to stay in before we leave come morning light. As the bandit leader began to turn away, back to the collapsed wall entrance to the chapel, Belgen felt his panic setting in. How could it be that he was again immune to the magics that harmed his companions? But as he searched for answers to this unfortunate fortune, he realized he had unconsciously began to clutch at the stone in his pocket. Suddenly, his instinct kicked in, and Belgen realized what he must do. Just like when he battled Alquod and saved his friends from the toxic fumes, he would again need to rise above his fear and save those he cared about most. Belgen then held the gemstone in the air in front of him, closed his eyes, and draped one hand in front of the stone, allowing the glittering of the starlight into the gemstone to reflect in a brilliant beam. As this concentrated light shone down the hill, it caught the back of Talagor's cloak, and he turned around immediately. Not realizing the potency of this illusionist spell, Talagor turned around and was nearly blinded by the beam of light, taking two points of damage and glowing faintly even as the shining light fades away from Belgen's gem. As Talagor reeled from the blinding light, he shouted to the hill, You foul bastard! Is that you, Alcoad? I should have known I'd be dealing with you soon enough. Belgen, seeing that he might be able to take advantage of this misidentification, paused for a moment to articulate some kind of a lie. The words were caught in his throat, as if he was grasping for any feasible fiction. Belgen shook this idea from his mind with some newly found bravery as he shouted down at the bandit leader with pride. Alquod is dead, at my own hand, and soon you will be too, Talagor. Your reign of terror ends here, and now. Submit to justice now, and you may be spared. For a moment, silence hung in the air, and even the wind of the hills dare not break the still. Like a boulder shattering a glass window, Talagor's laughter rendered the calm. As his cackling ceased, he spoke calmly and clearly. Well, whoever you are, slayer of Alquod, I'd hate to ruin your sense of importance here, but unless you have an entire army over that hill, I'm afraid that you're severely outnumbered, and quite frankly, outmatched. Perhaps you should submit before I bring you closer to your gnomish gods. 
Let's have you come down here peacefully, so I don't have to have your own companions beat you to death, yes? Belgin was furious, but he knew Talagor was right. He was outnumbered and severely outmatched. Somehow, Belgin knew that if he gave up now, dozens of people would die. This wasn't even just considering those he'd taken prisoner here, but all the other villages and towns that would fall prey to his banditry. If he submit now, they'd lose any chance at coming out of this alive. With a deep breath, Belgin centered himself and began to dig through his belt pouch. Down by the chapel, the last of the companions on the hill had arrived next to Talagor and waited for his next direction. Talagor was busy, however, staring back up at the hill and waiting for some sort of answer from this pesky illusionist. Don't leave me waiting, trickster. I'm afraid I become quite irate when... Suddenly, a sling bullet whipped past his head with a whoosh, clattering to the ground behind him. Looking to the bullet, then back up the hill, Talagor screamed in rage. Capture that gnome now! Combat begins. Round one. Initiative. Belgen got a six. Talagor got a three. Belgen begins to run down the hill, strafing to keep distance from the bandit leader, not knowing what sort of weapons or magic he may have up his sleeve. Another sling bullet rips through the air towards Talagor, and with a yelp of pain, it alerts Belgen that his bullet struck true for four points of damage. Talagor points in Belgen's direction, and the brigade of charmed people begin charging in his direction, clearing out half the distance. Talagor, looking out for himself, immediately runs into the chapel through the main entrance. Round 2. Initiative. Belgen. 6. Talagor. 1. Belgen sees Talagor run into the chapel, and assumes that if he can kill the enchanter, the enchantment may be broken from his friends, and he won't need to hurt anyone else. Based on this logic, he ran towards the mob and the chapel, dashing for the collapsed wall entryway. As he makes it to the collapsed wall, he sees Talagor trotting through a hallway within the chapel, and is able to launch another sling bullet at him. Talagor certainly wasn't expecting the gnome to be so expeditious, and was caught off guard by another sling bullet to his head for three points of damage. As Talagor crashed into the hallway wall, after the sling bullet had cracked his skull, he looked to the section of the chapel where the cage was, holding all of the kidnapped townsfolk, and he clutched at his head. He rips his rapier from his belt and aims it at Belgen, walking towards the gnome menacingly, and states again firmly, You're worth far more to me alive than dead, you insolent fool. Stand down or die! By the end of his threat, he was standing within stabbing range of Belgen. The mob slowly marched to the collapsed wall, and now Belgen was cornered. Whipping his head back and forth, he shouted back at Talagor, I see you bleeding. Only a losing combatant resorts to bargaining. Removing his hand from his head, Talagor waved his hand in a complicated flowing manner, and suddenly Belgen appeared to be wreathed in flames. As Belgen leaped nearly out of his skin, he realized the flames were magical, as they were painless and purple in hue. 
A very pleased look crept over Talagor's face as he now prepared to strike. Round three. Initiative. Delgan got a four. Talagor, a two. Belgin, realizing his sling wouldn't do well here, leaned against the cage where the kidnapped townsfolk were being held, and pulled his club from his belt, dashing forward, hoping to crack Talagor in the knee and throw him off balance. Talagor, a trained fencer, jumped aside gracefully and taunted him with a laugh. The charmed continued into the space, between the cage and the hall where Talagor and Belgin were standing, filling the chamber to leave no room for Belgin to escape. As they began to swing in for Belgin, reaching for him, the people within the cage screamed in fear of their potential savior being defeated. Talagor uncharacteristically screamed over the prisoners and charmed people, Stand back and leave him be. I'll gut this vermin myself. Talagor then launched forward furiously and underestimated the gnome's speed as it whooshed past Belgin's head. Round four, initiative, Belgin, another six, Talagor, two. Belgin again swung for Talagor with his mace, though the glowing illusory light of his chromatic orb had faded away, making it much harder to catch his wiry foe. Determined to survive this fight, somehow Belgin caught him off guard, slamming his chest with the mace head, dealing four more points of damage. Talagor, leaning over from this crack to his ribs, pushed himself back upright to stand while catching his breath, and he shouted to the crowd gathered, To hell with you, gnome! Get him! And he ran back into the hallway, out of sight. Round five. Initiative. Belgin, two. Talagor, four. As the bandit leader runs back out the entrance, he looks to the makeshift horse stable, and realized all of the horses had been set free. Cursing his poor luck, he ran on foot into the starlit hills, abandoning these charmed people and Belgin. The gathered bandits and charmed companions circled around Belgin, and as he held up his mace to deflect the grasping hands of this mob, Morris, charmed and still under the powerful effects of the potion of speed, rushed up to him and punched him square in the face with blinding speed for four points of damage, subduing him immediately. As Belgin fell to the ground with a small thud, the imprisoned town folk reached for this unconscious gnome and pulled him toward the cage so that they may protect him from further harm. As they pulled his diminutive form through the bars, the charmed mob stood vacantly staring at the gnome and the prisoners awaiting Talagor's next command. Chapter 13, Part 2 Day 20, Early Morning Party Status None of the party's health has changed, although Belgin is subdued at 0 out of 4 hit points. As the sun slowly rose in the sky, bathing the moonwash hills in its warm light, the mob of people standing around idly began to shake their heads and awaken from this charmed state. 
companion, and bandit alike had a few moments of blurry confusion before realizing what may have occurred in the previous hours. I'll now roll a reaction check. Since the bandits have no leader, but still outnumber the party, I'll roll it naturally. I got a six, so no one will immediately react. As the party and the bandits slowly realize how close they are to one another, they slowly separate and prepare to grasp at their weapons. Let's roll one more reaction check. I got a nine for Terriad. Terriad slowly steps forward, giving an assuring glance to the rest of his party members before approaching the gathered bandits. Your master of fear is nowhere to be seen. He has left you. Many of your company have died. This is a sign from the gods above that all that must be done here has been done. The road is clear. We must part ways peacefully, lest we continue fighting the battle that your cowardly leader has even abandoned. The bandits, realizing that even with their ranks, their chances of losing more bandits is very likely, so they reluctantly agree and begin to shuffle about, grabbing what they can before fleeing. A couple of the greedier men run to the trapdoor in the back hallway and try to quietly pry it open to climb in, but Kellum's leather boot slammed the door shut and his hard glare fell upon them. As the two stand up to meet his gaze, I'll roll for a charisma check with a bonus due to the bandits fleeing. I'll need a 13 or lower. I got a 5. Kellum's glare doesn't falter as he stares them down, and finally the two turn tail and run for the exit with the rest of their company. Kellum then joins the rest of his companions at the cage door where Thanel was using some keys she had found in the encampment to open the door. As the gate swung open with a screeching rusty tone, the kidnapped townsfolk revealed that they'd hidden Belgin under an old blanket out of fear of them harming him further. As the party approach, worried for their friend, a kind-faced woman settles them by saying, He's still breathing and did well throughout the night. He was knocked out by this one, as she nods to Morris. But he saved you all. We watched the whole thing from this cage. He chased that Talagor down with a sling in his hand and took him on with his mace right there, all the while fighting off the whole lot of you as well. He never laid a finger in on any of you and chased Talagor off single-handedly. You're all very lucky to have a friend such as him. That is for certain. Terriad, kneeling by his side, smiled gently as he placed a hand under his chin to inspect the bruise on his head. Morris, we can keep it a secret that you did him in, but he definitely deserves a hero's celebration when he comes to. As the party members began smiling amongst themselves, Thanel and Terriad began guiding the prisoners out of the cage. Kellum then approached Morris and mentioned the trapdoor the bandits seemed interested in, suggesting that Talagor's chambers may have something of value within. As Kellum lifted the trapdoor, revealing a dark basement below, Morris, with torch in hand, began to descend using the aged wooden ladder. 
as he climbed down, he reached a dusty and cold stone floor. The hall before him reached back about 15 or so feet before ending with a strong-looking wooden door left ajar. Feeling confident with Kellum standing behind him and his sword at the ready, the warriors pushed the door open, revealing a rather luxurious-looking bedroom. A bearskin rug lay before a plush-looking mattress adorned with many quilts and pillows. Across from the bed sat a lectern and a chest. As Morris walked in, he sat right down on the bed and let out a dramatic sigh. <sighs> I know he was a kidnapping raider, but the man understood comfort. Comforts earned are comforts to be enjoyed. Comforts taken are comforts that weaken a man, Kellum replied while looking at the chest. Morris replied as he stood up to look at the lectern. I think you just made that one up, as he shuffled around the papers within the lectern. Soon, he lifted up an unopened letter, with a wax seal on the front revealing two rows of teeth. Look here, this looks like it might be from the same people that Belgen mentioned Alcovid was dealing with. As Kellum brushed the letter away, he said, I'm afraid I cannot read such things, Morris. Feel free to keep reading while I open this chest. Morris looked down at the chest and warned Kellum, I think Talagor would likely keep the chest well protected. Maybe we ought to wait until... Suddenly, a small hissing noise and a light spritz of some sort of liquid on Kellum's chest sent them both running out of the chamber. Kellum grabbed at his throat as he began to wheeze and cough through the noxious fumes. Callum just encountered a very deadly poisonous trap, and I figured it was in his nature to try opening the chest before inspecting it, so he's going to need to roll a save versus poison, or he will die. Being a first level barbarian, he's going to need to roll over a 10. I got a 16, so it looks like he will live to fight another day. As Kellum began to cough violently and clutch at his throat, Morris waved at his face to waft clean air for him to breathe. After a moment, Kellum leaned on the doorframe and began to breathe in laboriously, spitting to the floor. Morris clapped him on the back and said, I'm glad you pulled through that one, Kellum. That could have ended horribly. Kellum simply pointed to the now open chest, and when Morris saw the glittering of gems, he began to walk toward the chest slack-jawed and astonished. Within the chest were around 2,000 gold coins, a small assortment of gemstones, including tiger's eye and lapis lazuli, worth around 300 gold pieces total, and two potions labeled Animal's Friend and Mind Reading. After the men had finished lifting the stacks of coins and counting them up, they see a folded bit of parchment on the bottom, wrapped with some twine, the two look at one another, and Morris pulls out the tied parchment, undoing the knot and looking at this paper. An image on the sheet looked like a coastline, and small squares to represent buildings, a few lines representing roads, and one large X on the map across the way from a building labeled the Osprey's Airy. Etched on the bottom is a short phrase. Beneath the smallest board, is the biggest of treasures. As Morris finishes reading this message to Kellum, 
he realizes they ought to show this and the letter to the party, as neither recognized the location on the map, and the letter appeared ominously important. After the arduous process of hauling the loot out of the basement, the duo returned to the cage, with the sun now officially at its highest point overhead. Terriad and Thanel tell the two that the bandits have all darted off, south and west, dispersing hours ago. Short stirring among the townsfolk revealed that Belgin had finally come to, clutching his bruised face. The party circled around him yet again, and with knowing expressions on their faces, Belgin replied to the unspoken thanks. Listen, I am more than happy to help, but this is becoming a bit of a habit for you guys. Now feels like a good time for us to finally give our villainous friends Salisbaum, Welgar, and Felia some stats. Since the Oracle of the last episode told us they'd be busy and fatal, causing some trouble, it seems imperative that we figure out how they'll be doing so, based on their character sheets. To avoid the tedium of rolling up the characters, I rolled up three characters worth of stats, and gave each one of the stats I felt best represented them thus far. To get their level, I figured I would roll for that as well. I started with Salah's Bomb, and suggested that his level of experience would be somewhere around 1d4 plus 2 levels. His cronies would be about 1d4 plus 1 levels. Rolling this way, Salah's Bomb the magic user is level 5, Welgar the fighter is level 4, and Felia, the half-elf, is level 3. Salazbaum's stats are as follows. Strength, 9. No penalty. Constitution, 14. That gives him a plus 1 to his HP per level, giving him a rolled total of 17 total hit points, which is very impressive for a magic user. His dexterity is an 11. No penalties. Intelligence of a 15, giving him an extra language, which I decided would be Elvish, as he is a magical scholar of Ontora. For wisdom, he is a 13, giving him a plus one to spell saves, and a charisma of 13, giving him a plus one to his reaction rolls. This all seems very fitting, as clearly he is intelligent, aware, and manipulative. His increased survivability shows just how determined and scrappy our mage is. Welgar's stats are more straightforward. A strength of a 14 gives him a plus one to attacks and damage. A constitution of 13 gives him one hit point per level, making him a total of 24 hit points, which is very solid for a fighter of his level. His dexterity and intelligence are a nine, which mean no particular quickness in wit or body, and his wisdom of a 13 which, I suppose, means he may be more aware than he seems, with a plus one to magic saves. His charisma is a nine, which has no real penalties. Lastly, Felia has an eight in strength, giving her a minus one to all melee attacks and damage. Her constitution is an 11, giving no penalties, though her HP at level three is only seven, which is certainly going to be rough on her. 
Her strong suit is Dexterity, which is a 15, giving her a plus one to ranged attacks and armor class. Her intelligence is a 12, revealing her clever nature, though her wisdom of an 8 gives a minus one to spell saves and shows she may be a bit of a reckless one. Her charisma, however, is a 13, giving a plus one to reactions and reinforcing the idea that even half-elves are imbued with elvish beauty and mystique. As for gear, Morris and Teria did well in robbing them of their more valuable trinkets and weapons, but the trio have their armor and some coin to spare. Lastly, for spells. I simply took the number of spells either Salisbum or Feliac could cast per day and rolled a spell for each of these daily uses. Salisbaum is equipped with the first level spells Hold Portal and Read Languages. For second level spells, Salisbaum knows Web and Knock. The one third level spell he has is Infravision. Not the most moving spell list, but these spells make for a resourceful caster who knows to fall back on his hired allies when he needs to. Felia, as a half-elf, knows two first-level spells, Magic, Magic Missile, Missile, Missile and Ventriloquism. Certainly valuable spells, and I'm sure this trio in a fight will make good use of all tools available. Dramatis Personae, Lord Adro Kilroth. Inhaling deeply on the rich coastal air, the man stood with his hands upon the stone railing and his eyes shut. As the gentle wind continued to tug at his fine clothing and his hair, dancing upon the breeze, he stood there motionless. In his mind, he was elsewhere. Although he could hear the sounds of people below going about their daily business in the marketplace, all he could think of was the sound of his mother singing. The last lady of Delagred had passed away nearly four decades ago, and yet his mother's face stayed within his mind and visited him whenever he needed peace. Although the peace he found in his mind was calming, it was surely temporary. His home of Thedal and the lands of Delagrad were not the same as they had been when he had first assumed his position as lord of this land. There will always be difficult times. War will rage, food will grow scarce, and the weather will always be merciless. These are forgivable in the eyes of a lord, and in fact, these were the sorts of things that shaped their legacies. Unfortunately, these were not the sorts of issues that the Lord was handling at this time. Too often, the captain of the guard informed him of the increase in organized crime on the streets, with many dead bodies washing up in the river of Thedal. The Reeves, who watch over the towns of Delagrad, inform him that a particularly troublesome bandit, known as Talagor the Master of Fear, has made the life of the villagers and the merchants hell. Even now, those nobles that he had once relied upon to help guide his judgment within this fair city were the same ones who whispered behind his back. 
Sometimes Lord Kilroth wished that he could speak with his mother one last time to receive some sort of wisdom from her or some sort of answer to the issues he was facing. Yet, here he stands, looking over his city and realizing that although he has all the power of Delagrad, he is undermined in such a way that he is rendered nearly helpless. The door behind him opened gently. My lord, may I have a word? Lord Kelroth's eyes opened gently at this point as he turned to slowly face one of the only men he trusted with his life. His solemn expression turned into a forced smile as he looked upon his Grand Vizier, Valric. Of course you may, Valric. It would seem that the Merchant's Guild has decided they no longer wish to meet with you this evening. Evidently, they have more important business to attend to. Lord Kelroth let out a disappointed breath before replying. Might I guess who it was that told you this? Was it Sashay? You have always been great at guessing, my lord. He sent over a courier just earlier. Lord Kelroth then turned back to the city streets, and Valric stood by his side, joining in on his viewing. Lord Kelroth broke the silence then as he said, when did it come to be that the merchants of this city and the nobles were so bold in their decision to defy me and my rulings? I recall a time, not more than two years ago, where relations were good between us. They had helped me make many decisions that would benefit these citizens. Now here they are demanding less taxes upon them, telling me they will refuse to sell their wares in the city if I don't offer them some breaks. I remember a time where the motto of our fair land meant something. As if to answer his statement, Valric replied with a quote, Celui en querelli, celui à la verie. Lord Kailroth chortled at his elvish, and answered also quoting, The goods of many, the best for us all. Yes, that's true. At least that's how things used to be. Nothing pains me more than thinking of anyone in my city starving. And yet here we are. Bandits attacking merchants, traveling with food to the city. The merchants and the nobles trying to prevent me from feeding these people with their goods. And every ally that I turn to for help in this matter is too busy to come to a simple meeting. If I didn't know any better, I might assume there is some sort of a coalition forming against me and my people. Valric interrupted this thought process by saying, Now, now, my lord, let us not feed into such thoughts. Greed affects everyone like a disease. The bandits have shown the nobles that they might make a profit if they behave in such a way. It would seem that the nobles are blinded by this greed. I can assure you that in good time they will come back to the senses. These lands have been the lands of charity and goodness for as long as the Order of the Silver Star has been in power. Nodding, Lord Kelroth replied, Perhaps you're right. Maybe I am allowing my fears to get the best of me. Though I'd rather be a cautious ruler who saw dangers abroad than a foolish leader 
who assumed all was well. On that note, perhaps you should send someone over to check on our friends in the Merchant Guild this evening. Maybe we can discover what it is they are so busy with. Valric stepped back before answering. Are you sure? If they are caught, this will only ruin the relationship we have with them. As Lord Kaelroth looked back out to the coast, he answered while thumbing a single silver medallion depicting two rows of teeth in his pocket. I find it hard to believe we could do any more damage to the relationship that I have with the Merchant's Guild. Send them over this evening. That's an order. Thank you for listening to an episode of Legends from the Fireside. If you enjoyed what you heard, feel free to leave a five-star rating and a review. Some of these reviews may be read at the end of episodes. You can also reach me at Legends from the Fireside on Twitter, or you can email me at legendsfromthefireside at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening to the show, and be sure to come back soon to listen to more Legends from the Fireside.